Say, here's your host. Here's host. Greg Cody. Greg Cody. This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. This is Ep 29, episode 29, and we welcome you all today. Can I jump in for a second? Because... Wait, I, I know what you're going to say, and I'm right there. No, 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 no. I want to do another intro. Like, we have somebody who wants to audition, because right now Dan Lebitard is the voice of The Greg Cody Show. It's an expensive fee. It's like the most expensive fee in your whole life is every week paying Dan Lebitard to do that intro. So <laughs> I, I was trying to think of how we could, you know, downsize that that payment and that, that you know, that, that hit to you every week. So I have somebody that is wants to audition to be the voice of the Greg Cody show. Do you want to hear it? Uh, sure, I guess. Yeah. Let's hear it. Say, this is a message for the Greg Cody show that I love my pop. I am my pop. This is a message for Greg Cody show listeners. Say, say listeners. I love my pop. I am my pop. He's not your pop. He's my pop. Then my pop. Have a good show, pop. I do show, pop. I love you. You. Say, this is the Greg Cody Show. This is the Greg Cody Show. With Greg Cody. Okay, here's your host. Here's my host. Say, here's your host. Here's host. Greg Cody. Greg Cody. We have just discovered the future official voice <laughs> of the Greg Cody Show. That was fantastic. She's better than Levitard. Cheaper. A lot cheaper than Levitard. Yeah. I'll pay Graceland in a couple of goldfish crackers. That's all she needs. I feel like we should like, make, I think I feel like we should ride the Levitard voice out maybe a little bit longer. Let her develop. I feel like six months okay. from now, she's the ideal voice of the Greg Cody show. Perfect. Perfect. I'm I'm with you all the way. I'm thrilled to have her on. I'll tell you that much right now. Okay, I want to set up this episode because it's chock a block full. It's uh it, what it's is just chock a block. What is that? It's chocolate. It's like an old-fashioned phrase that sort it's of. It's definitely just... old because I've never heard that saying. I'm all game for a good saying, but chocolate block does nothing for me. It's the rare uh, saying that actually has two hyphens. It's a double hyphenated idiom, and it basically just means full, just like a full menu, man. And today uh, we welcome in guest uh, Israel Izzy Gutierrez from ESPN, good friend of ours, and a first-time guest on the podcast. That's hard to believe we haven't had Izzy on before now, but um, he talks a, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of, uh, he's a hoop expert, so uh, mm-hmm. we, we dig deep with him. We talk on, restaurant bread, like we, restaurant we, bread. We, we, we have like a good spectrum with Izzy. We talk some hoops, some nuts and bolts, and we get into the fun stuff. I enjoyed our convo with him. Exactly, and, and before we get, get to Israel, um, uh, who, I go back and forth. I call him Israel. I call him Izzy. I call him Iz. It's, it, it's Izzy. Iz, Israel sounds very sophisticated, and I'm sure he might appreciate that. He might not. I'm not sure. But before we but get Iz to – Iz is okay. Iz is okay. Yes. Yes. And I know what you want to get into. Big dolphins, big heat stuff, a lot of sports. Sports! Like, you're sports. ready to go. But, but can I just – because, really like, you know, father and son thing. Can I just bring something up here before we get going here? Well, uh, let me interrupt because I know exactly where you're headed. Uh-huh. And, and I am in the same lane, man, because I was moved to tears the other night. Uh, of course, you're, you must be talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? I mean, the Supreme Court Justice, well, the you, glorious, notorious RBG. You've put me in an incredibly awkward spot because, 
Like that was very sad. And that, that was not what I happened to be bringing up right there. But now I feel an oh. obligation to say yes, even though like that was a, like, <laughs> okay. I'm on, I don't want like all jokes aside. Like that's no, I was not going there. And I, and I, you've made the, you've made this awkward with like, go ahead. Talk okay. about well, real quickly. I don't want to get too political. Whenever I say I don't want to get too political, it means I really do. But um, literally her dying wish um, uttered to her granddaughter uh, was that uh, her replacement not be named until after the election. And, and I think we owe it to uh, any sense of, of right to uh, honor those wishes. But moving on, what, what, what did you have in mind? What were you going to say? Because we I do want to quick hit sports real quick. We, we owe it to every sense of right and left. Am I right? Anyways, um, okay. I was going to bring up because we went to lunch um, this past weekend. And I know, like, that's an awkward thing because, like, in, in a pandemic world, are you allowed to announce that you went out to eat? I feel an insecurity about saying that I've done anything outside of my house. Do you agree with this? Yeah. Like, I feel like this is a side tangent. But, like, do you also feel that insecurity when talking to other people? Like, you don't want to be, like, even if you've done something safely with masks and, like, very socially distant, you feel insecure about, like, opening up about, I went somewhere. I feel a very, right. like, even admitting that out loud, I feel insecure about it. No, I, I sort of agree. What happens is, I think it's okay to admit that you forayed into public, but you immediately have to throw in the caveat yes. that, uh, you know, this, uh, we were separated, uh -huh. the tables were far apart. A lot of caveats. Waitress was, waitress was wearing a mask, we wore uh -huh. a mask, and we were super safe. Oh, we were being cautious. So all that, throwing all that in there, we went to lunch on Saturday. And we enjoyed a nice meal. My mom, you, me, my daughter. So it was a nice Lovely lunch, lunch and we're enjoying a lunch. And Greg Cody is weird in restaurants. So a lot of stuff, you just chalk it up and you don't even make comments. But something happened midway through where we were enjoying a meal. And it's a thing with Greg Cody that he doesn't want to pre-bus anything because he never worked in the restaurant industry. He really has no respect for the restaurant industry. And I worked in restaurants for many years. So, you know, after... A table is done eating. I'm a fan of let's gather up the plates. Let's organize the silverware. Let's put the <laughs> napkins on the plates. Let's try to make it as easy as possible for said service worker. And yeah. Greg Cody has none of that in his system. He wants to make it as difficult. He wants to do as little for the people. So that's, that's a given. That's the precursor for what happened at this lunch. Do you have any feedback just based off that criticism before I even get into the right. details of what happened on Saturday. Well, I, I think I know where you're going. And, I, you know, you're painting me a little bit unfairly because one thing you said that's absolutely not true is that I have no respect for people who work in res restaurants. I do, and I tip accordingly. If I get great service, and the, the waitress we had the other day that you mentioned, her name was Rebecca. She was fantastic. Fantastic. She was great, and, and I tipped her in kind. Uh, if I had bad service... Uh, I don't have very much tolerance for that because, quite frankly, uh, I, I think being a waiter or a waitress is uh, uh, being candid. You know, it's not rocket science. It's not that tough to do a good job. So what I want is uh, efficiency uh, and a great demeanor, a great bedside manner. Act like you want to be there. Right. Uh, but so I feel like I feel like I have a decent analogy for you because like what you're basically saying is like her, her effort was great. Her attitude was great. So that's all that matters. But like, I just feel like there's little things as human beings we can do to be, you know, just like when you go shopping, like, let's take, for instance, you go to Publix, you, you go shopping, you go out to your car, you empty your groceries into your car. 
you don't take your cart and like lay it sideways in the middle of the street on its side, making like extra weird work for the employee. You don't make, whereas in a restaurant after you're done eating, like, I feel like as a human being, like you just created this little mess around you. So like, why can't you take your silverware and your napkin and this little side plate and like stack it up on your plate and just like, here you go. I'm done eating. Here you go. Take it away. Greg Cody insists on all of that being done by the waiter. They have to come and do everything. And for instance, like, like, like I feel like we're going too long into this. Like, let me get into what happened on Saturday. Greg Cody ordered chicken strips of some sort with a side of hot sauce. And Greg Cody spilled said hot sauce. And Greg Cody was just going to leave said spilled hot sauce on the table for the waiter to clean up unless said son, Chris Cody, who has dignity and, you know, thoughtfulness (laughs) for other people, was like, you know what? We created this mess. Why wouldn't we at least start the process of cleaning it up? Grab a couple napkins, start wiping it up. And Greg Cody was like offended by this process of me. He was like, why are like, he was baffled by the idea that I would start cleaning up this hot sauce that he spilled before the waiter came over and did it. Right. Explain. Yeah. It. yeah. I, you know, leave it to the pros. That's my attitude. You know, I'm the customer. I accidentally spilled something and it was a small cup. So the pool of hot sauce was, you know, the size of your fist at, at, at most. It was a substantial and, um, and like my daughter was right there. You know, right. it's like hot sauce. You don't want anyone touching this and touching their eye. Like, this is what the waiter does. He's like cleans up spills. It, what, what if I if I accidentally spill a, a, a diet coke and some ice on the ground? What am I supposed to get on my hands and knees and start mopping up the floor? I mean, I'm the customer here. I don't think you want to do. I don't think you want to do a vote on like how bad you look right now. We should move on to sports. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to sports. By the way, uh, I should tell the listener that uh, Chris Cody may or may not be hammered today because uh, he had a couple of friends over and. Uh, Spent the afternoon drinking while also drinking in NFL games. I mean, so listen, he's slurring at all. No, um, I'm not slurring. Listen, last weekend we discussed ah! red red zones a thing, and red zone was a thing this weekend as well. Like I, I can't help it that a couple friends came over, and one of them might have bought a bottle of reset, and one of them might have brought a bottle of Patron over. Like I can't control that. There's some things I can control in my life, some things I can't. And we're doing good. We're feeling good. The Dolphins lost, but Daddy might have made a couple hundo gambling ah. some sports. So we're looking good. They, like okay. we're we're good. Two is still in the chamber. Dolphins fans are fine. Like we're zero and two. That's where you want to be when you haven't even started your franchise quarterback yet. Let's get another high draft pick. You're not really rooting for wins before Tua comes in. Let's go. We're fine. Everything's fine. Well, I, I have to say this about the Dolphins. Their defense has really disappointed me. I think the offense is fine and it's going to get better. And Mike Kosicki is turning into tight end, is turning into a, a bona fide, legit tight end in this league. But uh, the defense, I mean, Miami spent is spending more money on two starting cornerbacks than any other team in the league. They just gave up what felt like 600 yards. I think it was 417 to Josh Allen. Come on. Did you hear the announcer late in that game? He said, Regardless of whether the Dolphins win this game or not, this is an improved football team. I want to keep losing games with announcers thinking that we're an improved football team. Right. That's the best case scenario. We still have Tua here. Like, don't f- with the Dolphins a year from yeah. now. Because <laughs> when we have Tua finally installed after a year sitting on the bench, another high draft pick, Devontae Parker coming into his prime. Like, I'm telling you, 
all season, this is how I'm going to be. I'm ecstatic being a Dolphins fan right now. I'm seeing improvement. Wilkins on the defensive line looks like he's going to be a guy that can be a pro. And like, I just feel like everything is building towards the Dolphins being good a year from now. And like, right. we can keep losing. I don't disagree with you on, on the larger principle. They are a very improved team. And, um, but, you know, t- talk to me uh, after Thursday night when uh, they quite possibly lose at Jacksonville, which is going to be the first team their own size this year that they probably should beat but don't. So It's okay because that's not true. Jacksonville's been sneaky good, and Daddy sure. had Jacksonville plus eight and a half today against the Titans. So that was a big reason why he's in a good mood. So okay. go, Gardner Minshew, you do you. Okay. All right. That's fine. Quick, uh, quick comment on Heat Celtics. Um, Two to one now going into Wednesday's game four and the series just I'm terrified. Good. I'm terrified. Uh, yes, you should terrified. be. And but but that's the fun now. The fun starts because the tension and the pressure has started. We haven't felt that this postseason. It's been a glorious before the last loss, it had been a glorious ten to one run, uh, a top down, carefree drive, no pressure. And now for the first time, we have tension in this postseason for Miami and, and the rest of this series. Is, is going to be the kind of edge of the seat stuff that you you want really as a as a no, sports fan. You don't want it. I get what you're I, saying. I get what you're saying, right. but also shut up. I don't want it. But also we okay, get into some you, we get into some big picture stuff with Izzy. So like we should leave that for when we're talking to him. But just yeah. like the nuts and bolts of this series right now, when you're listening to this, it's two one heat, and I am terrified. I can understand why. And and by the way, how about those Marlins? Um, and I have to tell you. The Mar- even more so than the Heat, um, the fifth seed that's a couple of wins away from the NBA Finals. I think the Marlins are, are one of the great stories in all of sports right now because nobody, 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 nobody expected this to be a playoff team. Tim Kirchner downright like mocked me for like bringing that up. Remember, we talked to him oh, before the season. And he downright yeah. was like, look, it's a 60-game season, but Chris, don't be ridiculous. The Marlins are not making the playoffs. And I've given him, you know, grief about that every week on the Levitard show since then, like jokingly. And the Marlins have put themselves in a spot with when we're recording this right now, they have seven games left and they've put themselves in a position where they can essentially go like three and four and they probably will make the playoffs. Right. Like the only way they're not making the playoffs is if they go like two and five and you know what I mean? They put themselves in a spot where they have to have a historically bad week to not make the playoffs. Right. And holy sh- the Marlins are going to be in the playoffs in a week, and I'm going to get to watch a Marlins playoff game. For a Marlins fan, it's actually a little scary because I'm like the Marlins are undefeated in the playoffs. Like that's our thing. If you're a Marlins Ooh, fan, true. you say to people like the Marlins, "Hey, we've never lost in the playoffs before." So the idea that we're about to get in the playoffs scares me because I don't want to have that record broken. Yeah, but this year, man, it's a happy-to-be-there situation. I mean, you got to admit it. Uh, even if they flame out in the playoffs, just the fact that they made it is really a heartwarming story. So uh, let's move on. Let's, uh, let's get on to the meat of this podcast because we're real happy to uh, welcome this next guy on, Izzy Gutierrez. Um, uh, you've seen him on all kind of ESPN platforms, around the horn, highly questionable sometimes. And, um, of course, he's an NBA sideline reporter and a really good one. Uh, used to be my colleague at the Miami Herald years ago, and um, and and he's uh, he's just great. His he's fun, and his knowledge in in, in NBA matters is uh, is very close to the top of, of anybody's you're going to hear. So let's welcome in Izzy Gutierrez. 
Izzy, um, uh, Christopher was telling me I should prepare for you to be mad at me because uh, this is this is our 29th podcast and it's the first time I've had you on. And, and, and I, I hope that you wouldn't be insulted by that. Yeah, no. I mean, it's only the 29th podcast. How many years has Dan been doing the show where, uh, <laughs> where they forget about me all the time? All the time. I'm not worried about it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and how's your golf game, by the way? You know, I've had one lesson from uh, Stu Gatz's guy. Um, really? And it helped a lot. Like, it helped. It actually, it, I'd never developed a swing of any sort. Like, you would think, I, you know, being Dominican, that I grew up playing baseball or softball. Nope. I didn't play hockey, didn't play lacrosse. Like, I didn't have a go-to swing of any sort. Um, and so, having started that, it was you know, setting that was a huge deal. And now, but I haven't had a second lesson. So I've just kind of been on my own. And I mean, you guys know, like, I, it's this, I have this frustration, like failing in front of humans does not like in certain sports wise, does not sit well with me. And I get, I get pissed as hell. And so I've got to like breathe about that. I've got to like, let that go because I'm never going to get any better just being angry because then I'm just going to want to walk away. So the last time that I played, it was probably the best combination of not being angry and still hitting some decent shots. And, you know, it's, it's getting there. I'd say, um, I'd say I'm still very, very, very much in the, in the beginner's phase. So. Give me the best story of you losing it. Like, have you snapped a club over your knee? I don't think you've go that far. So I haven't snapped one. And they're not even my clubs, technically. The only ones that are mine are a driver and a putter. And then I've got this other set of old clubs that AJ uh, sort of handed down. And a couple of times ago that we went golfing and like, look, I have, I mean, like I said, they're not the greatest golf clubs ever. And so there was a couple of times where I was just really ticked off and I just kind of flung the golf club forward, like not really angry. Like I waited, you know, and I just kind of, and I didn't really care much about the golf club and like AJ was pissed and he was like, oh. <laughs> and so, like, but then, I did it again, like a few holes later, and that's when all hell broke loose. And like, it wasn't like we were, I wasn't that angry and I didn't sustain it. It was just one of those things where I'd created an argument where it shouldn't have created an argument that just ruined the whole golf day. And I was just like, I can't do that again. Like, I can't do that again. We ended up going back like a week later and everything was fine. Everything was fine. We actually went back to back days, uh, the Sunday and Monday, I think on Labor Day. Do I dare bring up sports? Can I ask a basketball question or will Christopher get mad at me? No, no hold quick. on. Before I, we go there. I, I was going to say, I have somewhere I almost want to go to. You go first, Izzy. Chris, you, you've gone golfing on back-to-back days before or no? Have you played 18 holes on back-to-back days? Oh, man. Honestly, probably not since my kid's been born. But yes, in my life, I have. Yes. I don't. How? How? How does your left, entire left side just not scream? That's crazy. That's coming. This is coming from you. I know. Like the most in shape person I know. Dude, you should see. It's rough right now. We've had a combination of obviously COVID and then like I've just been using the time to to like have my back recover and like let my legs because I've had some hamstring injuries. But, you know, so I'm not playing flag football, right? Not running around, not running for cardio. Like, I'm not lifting heavy on legs. I'm not skipping leg days for everybody out there. Oh, you still look great. Shut up. I guarantee you, you still have a six-pack. Yeah, well, and then, so, like, the other day, like, I'm pushing. I'm trying to get heavy into legs again, and I'm pushing this sled, and I'm just like, what the hell is happening? Just feels super weak. And I'm just like, if I were to go try to play football right now, I'd tear at least three muscles and, like, (laughs) yeah, we got to rebuild ourselves before we go out and play things. (laughs) 
All right, basketball question. No, not yet, not yet. <laughs> yes, I have, I have to. Let me go. I have more. I have more. expert on here. No, we're gonna get. We're gonna talk hoops to them. I mean, right, first okay. of all, see, Greg, Greg Cody doesn't understand the podcast industry, is he? A little side note on this. He wants to, like, be sports center. He doesn't realize that people listen to this, like, three right. days after it comes out, and the previous game gets played, so it all is useless what we're talking about. So we have to speak in broad terms about the Heat, and my dad still wants to just be sports center and tell you what the series is. It's like, that's not how podcasts work. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. That's just my frustrations with him. Anyways, Uber, are you Uber Eatsing a lot during quarantine? Like during like obviously More quarantine. Than ever, yeah. Okay. Does does it frustrate you when uh, these people are leaving? Not the, that sounds very rude. These people, the the, the <laughs> delivery people who are sacrificing yeah. themselves. Thank you for your service for everything you do. But they leave it on my like when I open my front door to get the bag, it knocks over. It's like, can you not learn the path that my door is going to be swinging open and put the bag somewhere else? For the love of God. That is definitely something worth a pet peeve. Fortunately. The, the delivery people have left it next to the door, not right behind the door to open it up. That would be annoying. Was there something that specifically spilled that you it's were just, it's just It's gotten to the point now where I open the door so cautiously now because I'm just like, I don't. And usually they put it at this awkward distance where I just bump into it. So I still have room to awkwardly walk. It's just like, it's just, this is a pet peeve of mine. You need to put something on the notes, on the delivery notes. Say, please leave it farther away from the door. I feel like that would make them want to do the opposite. At least it would for me. It's like, oh, you're leaving a note for this? Or you can say I'm withholding tip until after you show me. that Because you can tip them after, right? You can tip them after the delivery. So just say I'm withholding tip. Please leave the bag farther away from my door. Best restaurant bread. So I saw your thing on Twitter and I saw those options. Now, the best restaurant bread I ever had, I don't even remember the name of the restaurant. So I'm not going to be able to, to do that. But of the chains... I mean, the Texas Roadhouse one has to be it. Yeah, to me, I don't even think you need the butter on that. Really? You think it's just those all about rolls? the butter? I think those, that butter does it, I think. I feel like the butter carries that bread. No, I, I, I got to go with that one. And like, if you remember, and this was not on there, do you remember Hops? Remember that restaurant? Oh, I recreate. I made oh, that yeah. glaze a few months yeah, ago. Yeah. I made oh, that, that glaze. That was the best. So now there's a J. Alexander's or Redlands, depending on which one you go to. They have those like croissants with that glaze stuff on but you can't, you like have to uh, ask for it. You have to request it and then they bring you that bread service. Otherwise, they don't necessarily bring it to you. I, don't, I haven't been there since COVID, at least not to stay, but oh yeah, actually I take that back. They had, they'd still do have those. So if you go to J. Alexander's or Redlands, ask for the bread service, you're gonna love it. It's, and actually you can probably ask for it again for dessert because it's that good. Now you can ask a basketball <laughs> question. Okay. I just have to. I, I have expertise here. I have to siphon some of it. Remember, um, speak in broad terms, because I'll hey audience, guess what? It's a two nothing series right now. Okay. It's and a you're two gonna, nothing series. I'm, gonna, I'm not and, lying about it. And you're gonna be hearing this when it's after game three or maybe even four. So tread lightly here, Greg Cody. Is is he is there any chance the Lakers don't get to the NBA finals? And is there any chance Boston comes back from two nil down? Uh, these are evergreen, Chris. <laughs> Pros, pro, um, right, Cody. I actually am not 100% sold on the Lakers, and I haven't been. And I think part of the problem with me, Greg, is so looking at this entire season, especially when you compare it to, like, let's say dating back to, to the LeBron era, it's 2010. Um, the teams that won championships were great teams. Like, you're talking about the Warriors, one of the greatest of all time. You're talking about the Heat's big three, great team. Um, you know, the San Antonio Spurs. And 
and if it didn't have like a if it didn't have LeBron James, the goat, or some sort of big three, like they didn't even have a chance, right? And so now you're talking about a bunch of teams with duos. You had Kawhi and Paul. You had AD and and LeBron. You have you know whoever else is out there in the league, and it just didn't feel like these teams are the same level of great. And so I don't look at the Lakers and say, oh, yeah, that's a championship team. They might win a championship, but you put this Lakers team somehow in weird, you know, matrix and put them in like the 2015 or the 2014 season, it's not winning a championship. It's not. And so I'm not a thousand percent on the Lakers. I do think, and this is why sort of the Heat and Nuggets have been the darlings of the bubble is, you can see that they're that they took advantage of that extra time and their continuity is there. They're playing the type of basketball where if they were on a roll at any given time during an 82 game season, that's what they would want to show. And I think the nuggets are doing that. And so people want to say, Oh, match up LeBron James and Jamal Murray. Well, that's a, you know, a win for the Lakers match up Anthony Davis and Jokic, even though it's closer, it's probably also a win for the Lakers, but the way Jokic and, and that team is playing it's not like he's just sitting there going one-on-one against the opposing big. Um, you know, he's putting dimes on people's fingertips, you know, on cuts, and he's making Gary Harris into a, a guy who wants to cut and finish at the basket, you know, turning Jeremy Grant, who's not even a great three-point shooter. He's out there and is a real threat and uh, near the basket because he can, he's a bit of an athlete as well. I just think he makes other people better, and you never really know where – it's coming from it, meaning the offense, even though, or the scoring, even though, you know, it's centered around Jokic and Murray, everybody's live because that guy is such a good passer that he can get anybody a good look. How about so that? I don't like, I don't, I, I, I don't think it's a sure thing that the Lakers will win. I'll say I'll pick the Lakers in seven, but that's, you know, that's the prediction of a guy who's not really convinced. <laughs> it's also, it's win. also a guy who hasn't even seen game one yet. So it's tough to <laughs> – I mean, I guess – Although the last two Lakers games won, if they're anything like that, then you're going to think Denver could win because they've lost the first two game ones pretty pretty handily. Do you think that the, the Nuggets perhaps prefer to go down 3-1 to one in this series since they've done that comeback twice already in this playoffs? Do you think they've had any team meetings where they've said, would you guys want to consider going down 3-1 just because we know we can come back? Listen, I know Jokic has gotten way better shape. But he's got to be tired at this yeah. point. He does not want to keep playing these seven-game series. No, no deal. How about the Eastern half of that? No chance Miami blows a 2 nothing lead, right? I mean, it could be 2-2 by the time you're listening to this. Uh, yeah, there's absolutely a chance. Um, like, everything that I said about the Heat being in rhythm, um, I think is absolutely true. But, like, if you're the, the Celtics, the reason they were so frustrated after that game, two a few days ago, um, they, <laughs> is because they know talent-wise they should be able to do more. Jason Tatum should have that first game, that game one, in game two again. Jalen Brown shouldn't just be a spot-up guy, you know. It, and so they look at this and they're just frustrated that they aren't do, giving you everything that they have. And I still think that Boston still has something else to offer. I don't know if they can figure it out defensively, though. I think Bam is that big of an issue for them. They can't match up with Daniel Tice. They can't go small with Bam because then he'll just finish everything at the rim. And I think no matter what they do defensively, Bam is just going to make it that difficult for them um, to, to really play that way, especially when they, they've been a good defense all year long, but they haven't played like to, if you compare their defense to the way that he plays defense, the toughness, the, the timely steals, Jimmy Butler just beasting. 
Um, that's not the type of defense the Celtics played. They played smart. They played position defense, you know, and, and you know, they don't really have a ton of deterrence at the rim. So um, I don't think they can match that for Miami, and I think Miami goes to the finals. Heck, I thought on um, – on what was it? Five thirty-six. Is that the website with all the numbers? And they got five thirty-eight. Five thirty-eight. Thank you. They've got the Heat as the finals to win it all now, which is you know disconcerting for Heat fans who just want to be the underdog. And I feel like the and on the Celtics offensively, they're just like taking turns. It's like Kemba doing his shaky shake thing one possession, and then the next time down, it's just give it to Tatum, let him do his one-on-one thing. Like yeah. when you see the Heat on offense, and then you watch them go down on offense. It's like okay, these are two different levels yeah, of offense. Look at the assist right numbers. I think it was twenty-seven and nineteen in Game Two, um, where the Heat looked like the better. But and if you remember in Game One, that's how Boston got their offense and that's how they got their lead they were moving the ball they were you know pump faking the heat as they were closing out and getting open shots and the problem is is you can't you don't play that way consistently for four quarters because you don't trust it the heat trusts it not only do they trust it but jimmy butler trusts it like watch him during the last four or five seconds of the shot clock he's not panicking he's not looking for his shot even he's just he's just going to keep going because he knows it only takes 0.4 seconds to get a shot off and he's going to find the open guy This question I'm about to ask, I admit, is a ridiculous question, but my point in asking it is because I feel like it's a lot less ridiculous than it was a couple weeks ago. Which young duo would you rather have for the next 10 years, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown or Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero? I ask you that acknowledging that I think the right answer is Tatum and Jalen Brown, but I feel like this playoff performance has shrunk that gap of that question i'm totally with you in terms of the gap shrinkage there's definitely been less space uh (laughs) in between those two and i think to me sort of the reason that that it's still brown and tatum is because of the certainty of what jason tatum is because it could very well be that tyler hero is a nice player for the rest of his career but we're just overly impressed with him now because he's 20 and because it's his first playoffs and, you know, because he's fitting in just right. Um, If he goes on to be, you know, a multi-time all-star, then I think it's a huge question mark because while Jason Tatum could eventually be um, a scoring title winner, he could be Kevin Durant-like. I will never put him in that same category. doesn't score with the same ease as Kevin Durant does. But even with that, I still don't today look at Jason Tatum and say, as the number one guy, he's going to carry my team to a championship. I don't see that yet. It's partially because his scoring is just stoppable enough. You know, he's not even on the Steph Curry level when it comes to uh, a nightmarish offensive matchup, right? He's not there. Certainly while his defense have gotten better, he's not good enough where you can say he's elite in that category. And so when you look at today's NBA, Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, because they're not the focal point at all times and because they're super versatile might just be more valuable than the, you know, arguably at some point the best scorer in the league. And I think Jalen Brown gets undervalued too. Well, I think Jalen is, is can be sort of considered like a BAM where he's big athletic, um, can do a lot of things. He can obviously shoot from outside as well, but I'm still waiting for Jalen to have, his place, like his go-to, what is he exactly? I do like him a lot more watching these last two games. Like I asked that question before the series. After game one, I was all like, it it really might be Bam and Tyler Hero. But after, Jalen Brown is really good. He The thing I love about Jalen is not only- He crashes the boards too. He gets like a good offensive rebound late in games. 
they have not taken advantage of him inside because that, that to me is a matchup that you could say is a wash in terms of athletically and build the Jalen Brown versus Bam. Like he can, he can hustle, he can tussle in there with Bam, but Jalen is also, he's just a, also just a great guy. Like just a really yeah. good mm-hmm. and just a really good dude. If he were to be playing in the eighties, he'd be Dominique Wilkins. Like absolutely give him free reign to do whatever he wants offensively. You know, Dominique was not the greatest shooter found ways. He was just uses athleticism near the rim. Jalen Brown, if he had, you know, a little bit better handles could absolutely be that type of player. I heard on the broadcast them say that Spo said of Tyler Hero that a few ga- a few plays a game, he just does that some like intangible play where he gets a rebound out of nowhere you don't expect. He gets an assist. Like that's what I think is kind of underrated and special about Tyler. That makes me feel like maybe he could take another step and be better than just a good player is that he seems to just have a really smart basketball IQ aside from just his dripness and his wetness. Yeah, no, it's not even the IQ like, He's already got a layup package of a guy who knows he's going to get blocked if he just tries to go up like everybody else. Right. right? So he goes high off the rim. He goes these awkward distances uh, on his layups. And I think what was um, what was telling about him is so we get into these playoffs, right? Duncan Robinson's first playoffs, Tyler Hero's first playoffs. Duncan Robinson felt that it was the playoffs. Like you could the defense uh, yes. was more active and he was not getting the same looks. Tyler Hero, same situation. His numbers go up. His production goes up. He loves it. He's like, feed me this. Feed me this feeling. And there were times where I was just like, and it was in the bubble before the playoffs. I I see him get to the rim and like look for the foul and didn't get it. And he just looked like a kid amongst amongst men. And I'm just like, ooh, this this might not go well for Tyler if he's going to be aggressive. But all it took was like a week. And he's adjusted so much. He finds the areas where even with his frail body, he can still – get a shot off he's so like, young it's crazy how young he i is. asked somebody today i was like where in wisconsin did that voice come from like that though everything about Ty, like how, where, what part of wisconsin was that born and 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 because i i've never seen it and like you see his old photos when he was a kid you wouldn't expect that this is what comes out of that and so Crazy impressive. Last question as we get you out of here. It's probably the most sportsy one we've asked you so far. And this is, I feel like, a great question. More surprising, what the Miami Heat are doing or what the Miami Marlins are doing? Hear me out on this. The per- no, because the expectations for the Heat were that they're going to compete in the playoffs. And they're, they're, they've surpassed those expectations because they're, like, dominating the playoffs. The Marlins were not expected to do anything, and they are – basically in the playoffs if the season ended today and competing. So both teams, I feel like from where their expectations are, are equally living up so to what them. Would be, so you said which one was more surprising? I'm just saying like, what's more surprising that we're two a week out from the baseball playoffs starting and the Marlins are in the hunt, like need to just not screw up and they'll make it. And the Heat are owning the playoffs. Like which of those two stories, if I would have told you two months ago, what's more surprising? Definitely the Marlins. It's, it's way more <laughs> it's surprising. It's crazy. Because – I mean, just the whole organization is supposed to be a joke. And even Derek Jeter, you know, coming in, we were supposed to, you know, ruin his name. The great name of Derek Jeter was going to be stained by this Miami Marlins franchise. And, you know, you say all you want about the, the length of the season or what have you. Um, you watch these guys play, mostly the pitchers, but um, you watch them play and they're legit, like uh, legit players. And, you know, if this were to be a 160-game season, maybe they don't stick around as much. But it's shocking to see, like, real major leaguers and even right after trading away, you know, a couple of MVPs um, and, and still being right back in this thing. And, and like, yeah, I think it's, it's more surprising. I think, you know, the, the Marlins one's more fun. But I think, like, Sixto, like, 
the comparisons to to Pedro Martinez, like that's love stuff, it. Like, it's, love it's it. goosebumps. Like it's it's. it's but I think it's the cool. Heat, though. The Heat are ten and one. The Heat, like they they. This is insane what the Heat are doing, man. Like I I feel like that's just how that's how impressive. Like Magic Johnson saying the Bam Dunk's the best thing he's ever seen. Stephen A. Smith's like, oh, they're they're they, they could go to the final. Like everybody's Chris, on the Chris, Heat bandwagon right Chris, now. You watch them this year, like. This isn't that different than like when right. the season ended. You know, other people of, you know, are Myers Leonard uh, being a part of that and Jay Crowder being a part of this. Like, if you were to tell me, hey, the 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 Heat still have a gear to turn it up in the postseason, yeah, I believe you. And this is that gear, and the Bucks don't. And uh, you know, I used to think, and everybody thought that they'd be a good matchup with the Bucks, right? I used to think the Celtics would be a nightmare matchup, but then you throw in Crowder and Iguodala, and not so much anymore. And so, yeah, if they were to make the finals and, and make a run at this thing, like, given the Heat's history, I'm not even close to shocked about it. The Marlins, let's see if, definitely. Let's see if we can go 10 straight minutes without Greg Cody talking on his own podcast. I like it. <laughs> I like that because the, the way my voice goes in and out with this rasp, um, I, I like the break. Isn't, but, my, um, isn't Myers Leonard, like, the best teammate you've ever uh, seen? Do you watch him on these benches? He hasn't enough. played – he hasn't played since like the Pacers series, and he is like he's the most intense. He is intent. Oh, he loves it. He loves showing off his veins and how insane. Oh, he loves it. Greg, Greg, I gotta ask you something because I heard Chris giving you a hard time the other day about not drinking water. Like you drink too much coffee and not enough right. water. Yeah. Like I feel like you're not giving it as much effort as uh, as we we think you should be. Zero effort he's giving. Man, take care of yourself, dude. What are you okay. doing? All right. Okay. I, I will from now on. See, he does this. He always wants I'm to change the subject. When people come at him about his in, his failures in life, he, he okay. wants to change the subject. Look at him. See, he's doing it right now. Yeah. No, I'm picking up a new leaf. I'm picking up a leaf right now off the ground. And, and it's, it's it selfish reasons right here because I want to hear Mickey Mouse come back. I want to hear you a couple of high oh. notes when you sing. Seriously. Give us one. Give us one. I'm, I'm, I've lost my fake Mickey Mouse. Eisner. <laughs> See, I can't do it. And now the Mount Gregmore name game returns with the L's. And here's the elephant. Every week, we give you the top five first names of a letter based on U.S. government records over the past century. Then we give you the Mount Gregmore of the number one name. And now the top five L's. Does this mean we're halfway done with this? Well, there's 13 letters in the alphabet, and L is number 12. So You mean 26? M's. You just said 13. Oh, there's 26. You're right. So th- so next week, the M's will be the halfway point. Thank God. We'll have a big, we'll have a big celebration. The L's are the 12th, uh, happy dozen. And um, here we go with the, the top five L names. Number five, Lauren. Number four, Laura. <laughs> Number three, Larry. That's too bad. I would have loved to have done Larry's. Number two, Lisa. And the number one L name, you know it was coming. Linda. <laughs> Did we know it was coming? No. My mother-in-law's name. Your mother-in-law is, is she Linda. On there? Is she on there? You know what? I, I couldn't include her because it just wouldn't have been right. But in my heart, she's number one. So now, let's start with our honorable mention. She's a former alcoholic and unsuccessful singer, better known as a former Miss World USA and in the 1970s as TV's Wonder Woman. She might have made the Mount Gregmore five but we had to dock points because she spells her first name with a Y. 
It's Linda Carter. So instead of an I, there's a Y? Yeah. I'm surprised you, know. you allow that. I know, that's why she was relegated to honorable mention. Number five, big on TV in the 60s through the 80s. Appeared in Playboy, starred in the Big Valley, but best known for her matriarch's role in the primetime soap opera Dynasty, Linda Evans. When's the last time Greg Cody purchased a Playboy? Um, I would say the 1980s, maybe. Okay. <laughs> they don't even make Playboy, do they? Uh, at one point, they shifted towards just being like, right, like people like Omani Jones at once wrote something for Playboy. Like, I think they still do like a, maybe like a once, I have no idea. I think they've downsized how often they get naked and now they try to balance it out with writing too. Was, um, was there a Bomani Jones pictorial? Like a centerfold or no? <laughs> now that is a visual. <laughs> if you've seen Bomani's work recently on Instagram, it's not too far-fetched actually. Oi, all right, where was I? Number four, cover your ears, kids. This is for adults only, speaking of Playboy, because this actress is pretty much known for one thing and one thing only, and it would be bleeped out if I described it here. Let's just say she starred in arguably the most famous pornographic film of all time called Deep Throat, of course, Linda Lovelace. <laughs> yes. What are you talking about? My my child's ears are singeing. You officially creeped me out. This, it was from like 1972. You just put anybody like a who, porn star and you like named her porno? Anybody who's uh, middle age or older knows exactly oh my what God. I'm talking about. No, no, I, but anyone younger doesn't know what you're talking about and just thinks you're crazy. Well, okay, but you'll Google it and uh, it'll be the worst thing you ever did. Number three, she was a child actress when she starred in her most iconic role as the child Reagan in the film The Exorcist. After she was nominated for an Academy Award, her head was spinning with excitement. It's Linda Blair. What's going on with you recently? You've been very sexual on the Levitard show. You're referencing Pornhub way too casually. You just referenced a porn star. Like, I'm just baffled by you right now. Like, you're turning into a person I didn't know existed. I call him as I see him. Number two, she was more famous for her married last name than for her first. Her hubby was in a fairly popular band. May have heard of it. The Beatles. She went on to play on stage with him in his other band, Wings. Of course, Linda McCartney. And now, the number one, Al. This is like by far, She's, like nobody has heard of any of these names. Okay, I think this anybody is, over the age of 40 has heard of all of them. The only interesting part about this Mount Gregmore is that you have taken this rated X turn over the last few weeks. And it's kind of a funny pivot for you, but it, that's why it's interesting. But outside of that, like I literally, you just said to, to me in order, like I can't name a single of the Lindas you just said. I don't remember okay. any of them. All right, let's see if you've heard of this one. Number one, she simply put, the biggest female recording artist of the 1970s in a decade-spanning career. Oh my God. Her beloved hits included You're No Good, Blue Bayou, Hurt So Bad, Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me, When Will I Be Loved, That'll Be The Day, and It's So Easy. And you know what? It was so easy to name number one as Linda Ronstadt. Wow, this list. I mean, I know that's a respected artist. I'm not disrespecting her, but like this Linda list, whew. 
Like well, I know yeah, that so. I know I know that song poor poor pitiful me like that's yeah. a fine song but still like that I, I literally can't name a single Linda you just made. Well, I have to say this and and you know names are are weird because they they ebb and flow in popularity and I must say Linda uh, skews a little bit older. You don't find many Lindas going to high school right now. You know, Linda tends to be the mother-in-law. You know what I mean? The the singer from the 70s. I mean, let's be honest. So um, that's Linda. It was a fine L. That's the L of it. And next week, the M's bring us to halftime of the Mount Gregmore name game. Can't wait for the M's. It'll be like eating M&M's. Well, technically, the halftime will be after the M's, right? If there's 26 letters, once you've completed 13, then That's it's That's a half-time. good point by you. That's an excellent point. So the M's will be like the two-minute warning, you know, like we're just before halftime. Okay, well put. C- kind of well like, kind of like where when the Heat own the Celtics, like the crunch time of half, of right before the half, like winning the end of quarters. Yes, that's exactly right. The M's will be, you know, Tyler Hero hitting a three, uh, Goran Dragic, uh, you know, pouring in seven points in thirty seconds. Uh, Bomb out of bio with a, a monster left-handed stuff of an attempted dunk. Oh, don't get me started. M's next week. All right, another award-winning Mount Gregmore. And, uh, and, and I want to thank Israel, Izzy Gutierrez, so much for being on. But guess what? We had a long, long conversation with him. And what you heard uh, was just part of it. And And frankly, not even the best part of it, because what's ahead is pretty astounding stuff. And, and that's why we're breaking this into two parts. We're going to have Izzy back on with us in next week's episode. And don't miss it because he gets real personal and real emotional with um, stuff that's been going on in his personal life. And it's compelling. And so uh, please be with us next week. Podcast family, thank you so much every week for staying with us and returning each Monday and throughout the week. And um, Uh, We enjoy your company and hope you enjoy ours. And see you next week for a can't-miss episode, Izzy Gutierrez 2.0. Don't miss it. See you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. You see that, Daddy? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I'll do more. You want to do more? Yeah. Say, this was the Greg Cody Show. This is the Greg Cody Show. With Greg Cody. With Greg Cody. My pop. My pop. And with Chris Cody. And Chris Cody. My daddy. My daddy. Have a good day. I did-